Welcome, welcome to the Great Compromise Podcast. I'm GOP Jim, and with me as always, Victoria the Democrat. How you doing, Victoria? I'm doing great. I'm excited about our topic today. Excellent. Yeah, I am as well. And for all of our longtime listeners, very long time, we are changing up the format this episode. Instead of a normal debate, we are going to have a regular discussion on an intricate issue. See, today we're talking about critical race theory, or we're probably going to call it CRT to save us some time and a mouthful through this episode. And this is an issue that is, you know, in the news, it's hotly debated. Former President Trump talked about it quite a bit. And so there's a lot of bad information out there, and it's um, difficult at times to really figure out what critical race theory is. So Victoria and I each did our own research, and we're going to discuss it right now and get to the bottom of what critical race theory actually is. So in my research of critical race theory, I've learned that it is a approach to teaching, that it's looked at as a movement, a civil rights movement, from the perspective of scholars and activists to critically teach American history by taking an honest look at the racist past that our history holds and teaching that transparently to look at our laws and our society's structures um, to create awareness of our institutional injustice which will then challenge our current structures once people understand where we are and how we got here. Right. I, I also found that, well, first of all, it was originally taught in law schools and other like grad programs. And it is, it was developed by scholars in the 70s and 80s in response to what they viewed as a lack of racial progress following the civil rights legislation of the 60s. Right. So it's, this theory is that racial bias, intentional or not, is baked into U.S. laws and institutions. So, for example, uh, black Americans are incarcerated at much higher rates than other racial groups. And so, I mean, that's just one example of many examples. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, this is where it came from. I think it's important to know it came out of civil rights movement or what they deemed was not movement enough, I guess. So that's where we're at with that. Um, It is a theoretical approach to teaching American history. It's not a curriculum. I think there's a large misconception out there that it is a curriculum. Someone can teach CRT out of a book and they because they teach XYZ things, and that is not the case. It's just a different way of thinking about history. Did you get that as well, Victoria? I think it's including facts that were previously left out regarding our history, Mm -hmm. starting with when slaves were first purchased in America and looking at, you know, what is the honest truth behind slaves fighting the Civil War and how they were treated and the way that our society has been built in a structure that's biased in the interest rates that different minorities are given when they're applying for a mortgage based on a white family. Those kinds of things where it's just integral and being looked at from that point instead of um, it wasn't a part of my education until college, right? Where we started to look 
at history from a point of maybe Christopher Columbus isn't the historical hero that we were taught when we were kids. So it definitely, um, in my research too, started out in colleges, but is now being um, started in high schools too. I, I think, I don't know if I had a better or different historical education, but some of this stuff, if not most of this stuff, I was taught as early as middle school. And I wouldn't go so far as to call it a critical race theory. It's just history, right? I mean, we knew about slavery. I learned about Christopher Columbus in middle school. I learned, I mean, all, I mean, all kinds of stuff. The history of race in America. We learned about the civil rights movement. We learned all kinds of stuff like that. Of course. No, I did too. I'm not saying that I only found out about slavery when I was in college. But this <laughs> okay, is like a deeper <laughs> dive into the systemic structures around race and inequality. Yeah. Not just like your primary school version of like, yep, this is the the incident that happened and then moving on. But like this, these are all the repercussions of it. And this is how like it's been baked into our laws and like society's way of running. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the large debates going on right now is should this be taught in middle schools should this be taught to children or should it stay in higher education i'm sure some people don't want it taught at all but for the sake of this discussion let's say should it be taught in middle school and i think let's put a pin in that and i want to talk about some of like the core components or the basic tenets of crt i found six points and the first one being the idea of race is socially constructed not biologically natural. Did you see that in anything you researched? Yes, yep. Okay. Um, yeah, I learned more about that too. Um, that's not a new idea to me, that race is a societal creation um, because you have ethnicity and you have race. So ethnicity, right, is like your ancestry and where those ancestors came from in the world, whereas race is based on the color of your skin. Right, right. And race has somewhat changed over the years. Um, I'm going to use white as my example here. Long ago, Italians were not seen as white. And so, for no real reason, and so they were discriminated against. So, um, I, that is something I was not taught in school, that race is a social construct. But to be fair, I was not taught that gender was a social construct either, so... Um, perhaps we got very different degrees. <laughs> so, well, I suppose I think we, we had did. different classes. I suppose so, but so I, maybe this is just um, society progressing a little bit in ways that we have been left behind. Maybe so. I don't. I don't have a problem with that first point. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, number two, racism in the United States is normal. It is the ordinary experience of most people of color. Not that it's a good thing, it doesn't say that, but that the experience of minorities here being discriminated against is the normal experience for minorities. Correct. It's not a rare occurrence or something that people can count on the number, like on their fingers, the number of times it happened. Right. This is a typical daily occurrence. Exactly. And I don't know anyone who would disagree with that point. Right. Perfectly fine. Third point. Interest convergence or material determinism 
for people of color tend to serve the interests of dominant white groups. The racial hierarchy that categorizes American society may be unaffected or even reinforced by improvements in the legal status of oppressed or exploited people. That was a confusing mouthful, but what it's saying is that laws that either help or hurt minorities almost always help white people. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that broken down statement. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah not going to pretend to have understood the first version, but I do believe that when laws are racist, it's to create a further power dynamic to benefit either directly or indirectly mm-hmm. um, white community members. Sure. Um, I don't think that's always the case. And I, this is a very strongly worded point that makes me think as I read it that it, uh, these the creators thought that this was always the case. And I'm not... I'm not convinced it is. Um, we can come back to this one. This Because that's a complicated one. I just want to get through more of these points. Okay. The fourth one. Um, members of minority groups periodically undergo differential racialization or the attribution to them of varying sets of negative stereotypes. Again, depending on the needs or interests of whites. So like I said about Italians who were not considered white people because there was a lot of Italian immigrants coming here. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, how people feel about immigrants. And so they weren't considered white people when they first came to America. So it's... Does that make sense? Um, can you repeat that tenet specifically? Yeah. Members of minority groups periodically undergo differential racialization or the attribution to them of varying sets of negative stereotypes... Again, depending on the needs or interests of whites. Oh, okay, okay. So the classification of race changes right. depending on how society is moving forward. Exactly. And what categories like remain and what are like become flexible. Right. Okay. Like that brings us back to the first point where racism I'm sorry, race is a social construct. Yeah. This kinda And then that construct will change, yeah. Right. And it has, and it will again. It, it's part of the human experience, unfortunately. Yes. Uh, next point. Uh, intersectionality. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that word. I should hope so. Well, not everybody is. So no individual can be adequately identified by membership in a single group. For example, an African-American person may also identify as a woman, a lesbian, a feminist, a Christian, and so on. And so there's no person that is only a part of one group. Right. It's the intersection of different things that you can be either discriminated against for or creates difficulty in your life. So you could be like an intersectional example um, would be like someone who is African-American, female and disabled. Like they have layers of barriers. And so like intersectional feminism is the concept I'm most familiar with, Mm -hmm. which is, is this feminist movement benefiting everybody or white women, right? Right. Like, are you getting into all the layers of difficulty in our society? Uh So that, that I've heard of before and that 
makes complete sense to me. Right. And then the last point, um, the voice of color thesis holds that people of color are uniquely qualified to speak on behalf of other members of their group or groups regarding the forms and effects of racism. That seems like a tricky one because, yes, you can speak from experience, but that does not mean that you need to take on the responsibility of representing the whole. Yeah. Um, some people, I mean, it depends on the person, right? Some people want to. Some people want to represent their entire group, and some people definitely don't. Um, I don't... This is a difficult one for me. I don't think because someone isn't a part of that group doesn't mean they can't speak on or be knowledgeable about the issues that group is going through. Really? Of course. I think that there's a difference between trying to learn and become informed Mm -hmm. versus speaking from a place of knowledge and experience. Like, I can try to understand racism as much as I can and be open-minded and want to learn more but I'm never no matter how much I try going to be able to speak from a place of experience because I'm a white woman so I can talk from a place of experience about sexism but not racism from a place of experience but you can learn and learn about these issues and but that just means getting closer that doesn't mean that i'm going to be an expert that just means i'm going to get as close as i can to understanding right because there's so many like microaggressions and minute examples that i'm not going to fully understand like it's i guarantee there is a white professor who teaches about racism somewhere in this country i I guarantee it on racism by a white author. Okay. Um, do you maybe think not were... my best idea. Well, do you think that person wasn't knowledgeable and isn't qualified to speak on that issue? She was a diversity trainer. Mm-hmm. So she was experienced and knowledgeable. But I wouldn't say that she was the best person to be writing that book or that she was the most experienced or most knowledgeable. I think she was trying to get close but it could have been written by someone who is personally, like, intimately informed based on their life experience. Okay. I mean, to me, this point feels somewhat dividing. Like, unnecessarily. Like, it's only this group can talk about this group, and only that group can talk about that group, where I thought the point of CRT was to be a little more uniting, but... I'm not sure that it is. That's really interesting. I'm actually thinking of it in the way that anyone can teach critical race theory. Um, You know, if they have worked hard enough to become informed, I wouldn't, you know, trust anyone on the street to um, teach from a deep expertise on any topic at all. Like, you need to have the qualifications to back that up. But it's also talking about acknowledging that your experience only goes so far and like heeding to someone that knows more. So I think that especially in certain career paths, there can be like a lot of ego placed in where you stand in your knowledge and expertise on a topic. And it's important to understand that 
someone that is a member of a a race that is um, approached in our society as less than and treated as less than on a daily basis will have a deeper understanding and they should be given like a little more priority. Not that someone who is Caucasian is incapable of teaching it all. Teaching it all is better than not teaching it all. Right, right. I This the CRT is uh, divisive, to put it lightly, um, and it, it seems at face value that disagreeing with it is, labels you kind of a racist. So this point was interesting to me because it felt like the theory itself is trying to divide people into groups. You know what I mean? It, it's it's trying to divide people into the oppressed and the oppressor, which is exactly what I thought it was trying to rail against. Do you know what I mean? Ooh, I understand the words coming out of your mouth, but mm-hmm. I do not agree at all. Really? Okay. So I don't think that... Actually, that's not that surprising, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker. Critical race theory, as I have come to understand it, is not about creating division amongst people. It's about understanding the division that exists. So it's not creating something new other than awareness. Mm -hmm. So it's not like learning about our racist societal structures is not going to create more racism. It's more awareness and informed like uh, informed behavior of the things that are already in place. And I think that learning about it is the only way we can recognize it and then move forward to create a better future for our society as a whole and more equality. So uh, coming from like a mental health background, there's this saying that if you talk to someone who is depressed and suicidal, the fear of like someone who doesn't have a mental health background is really common to be like, I don't want to talk to this depressed teenager about suicide because what if I plant that idea in their head? Believe me, that idea has been there in some shape or form and talking about it helps. Talking about it is not creating a new idea. So talking about racism is not creating a new division. It's Mm -hmm. helping because now it's out in the open and we can all like be forthcoming about it. No, I agree. Talking about it is the way to go. And we learned about it in school as, as we should, but it seems that last point to me means only one group gets to talk about it because a white person isn't qualified to talk about systemic racism or microaggressions or whatever it may be, they don't get to talk about it. And so only one group gets to talk about it and the other doesn't. I guess that's where we differ. That's not what I think it's saying. Okay. Fair enough. I I want to talk about what we learned in school, though. We did not learn CRT in school. I think that's fair to say. That no, no, no. I think we it wasn't scratched even... the surface, maybe. CRT seems way more comprehensive. Right. It's... It's a, an ideology that was taught in law school for a long time mm-hmm. until it came up a couple years back. Or I, who knows? This pandemic's been so long. It may have been last year. I don't even remember. But it, it came up recently. 
You're you're referring, I assume, to Trump's executive order. Yes. Like that's the the date that you're referring to. Yes, whenever okay. that was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, when we were in school, in the 2000s and 2010s range, we learned all about racism, the history of racism in America and slavery and the genocide of the Native Americans. We learned about all of it. So I don't really understand why we need to change anything when we've already learned about that stuff and they're continuing to learn about that stuff. Mm -hmm. So my perspective is more that like when we were in school, let's say middle school, high school, we did learn about racism and slavery and the civil rights movement. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, the colored toilets and white toilets and all of that separation. And then like the first girl that was integrated, right? All of that stuff. But then I went to college and I got my degree in social work and psychology and social work history classes were intense. And we would learn about like the war on drugs and the way that that has led to like such inequality in our jail systems and how there's such a huge percentage of minorities in jail in comparison to whites and how Caucasian people are treated differently by the police and we're treated differently by banks and we're treated differently by um, people giving out, you know, loans and scholarships like it's it's so integral to every inch of our experience and that's not anything i learned in high school well that is for higher learning for higher education right i i don't think i learned that in middle school high school but i don't think kids should learn about that the world's a bad place they need to know some of that do they need to know that much detail when they're kids Oh, always age-appropriate learning. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Didn't we have age-appropriate learning? Didn't we learn the right amount to learn when we were kids and the right amount to learn when we were high school? And then the example you gave in college, you learned the right amount for when you were in college. Shouldn't we keep it to that system instead of promoting CRT in middle schools or whatever that people want to do now? I think as long as it's age-appropriate that... Middle schoolers can handle more truth, more reality. Sure. I don't have a problem Sure, with but that. they already learned some. We just both agreed we learned about slavery, and what's a harsher truth than slavery? Right. So if they're already learning about slavery, which is pretty brutal, mm -hmm. don't you think they can learn more about the societal impacts of starting off with slaves and free people like some of that has changed the way that institutions were created in the beginning and i think like that when i my understanding of critical race theory is that it it continues into today and the systemic racism that we're still living in so i think that if you can learn about slavery and treating people as property then you can probably handle the injustice that happens today Partially, I agree with you. I, I do. It's just, it, it seems like such a heavy burden to place on a child to teach them that 
this whole complicated system, right? Because we're still learning it, and adults mm-hmm. don't know about this because of all the misinformation out there. So we need to teach kids what this actually is, and then we need to teach them that they are benefiting from a system that they didn't help create, their parents didn't help create, their grandparents didn't help create, but they are still benefiting from a system when their darker skin friends are not benefiting from the system. Is that something we want to place on a child's shoulders or should it wait until college where it has been? Well, I think it depends on what it is we're agreeing we're placing on a child's shoulders. Is it an understanding and a empathy to do better and create more equality and to stand up when they see these inequalities continuing to take place and demand better of our system? Um, Yep, that seems like something kids are capable of. Absolutely. We should teach them that. Yeah. What we shouldn't give them is guilt, and that is part of critical race theory, unfortunately. It's not, I mean, it, it's, it's showing the dark side of these systems that people benefit from. Should we make white children guilty over something they've never done, they haven't done anything wrong? I think we're being a little overly protective of white children. Like, when you oh, that's fair. Okay. are raised in a racist society... Then, like, think of the little black kid that doesn't think that they're enough or they've done something wrong because their teachers or their landlords or, like, all these adults in their life that are perpetuating this racial structure are making children that are victims of this already think that they're not enough, right? So, like, that's already a huge burden, I think we can share the weight a little bit more. I was talking about the white child perspective because as critical race theory suggests, that is the only perspective that I'm allowed to speak on. Well, that's why I'm (laughs) opening up our lens a little more. I don't think you're saying anything wrong. Having consideration for the guilt and shame that is placed on a kid that's learned about the brutal truths of our world is a really kind thought. But plenty of kids are already carrying that burden. You're right. I would love it if that wasn't the case and we could hold that off until they're older. That's all I'm saying. For everybody. Oh, yeah. It's ideally. Not, ideally. It's not as ideally. possible for minority children. I, I understand that. But I don't think CRT will create a world where it is. And I would like to get to that world. Do you see what I'm saying? No, say some more. Okay. (laughs) Right now, minority children don't have... I mean, it's not possible for them to live in a world where they don't understand these problems. Right? I think it would lift the burden to know that everybody's eyes are acknowledging the same truth you're experiencing. Right? Like, if you're a young kid who is experiencing racism day in and day out, and you try to talk to your friends about it, and they say, no, I don't know what that is. I don't see what you're seeing. Isn't that isolating? Isn't that isolating? And when you're trying to explain something to somebody who refuses to see it, couldn't that make you feel like you're crazy or that you're just forced to play along with some version of somebody else's truth so that you don't make them uncomfortable? 
I think that's part of the claims against critical race theory is that it's so uncomfortable. It is psychologically distressing to learn these truths. Well, they're pretty distressing for people who are living these truths. To just learn mm -hmm. about them, I think we can handle it. Yes. I just don't think children should have to. They already are. Right, but it won't ever go away if we start teaching them this. What do you mean? Isn't knowledge power? And isn't being aware of the failures of our society empowering us to do more? And if you've been aware of those from such a young age, isn't that going to help you to demand better of... Well, children aren't going to be fixing these problems. No, but so children they need to grow learn up. It when they're older. They need to learn it when they're older. Maybe. Children grow up. I don't know. It, it seems... I don't disagree with everything that critical race theory suggests, or even most of what critical race theory suggests, and that kind of surprised me based on the rhetoric that I've heard on the, in the news, online, from certain politicians, you know. It, it kind of surprised me. It doesn't rewrite history like people claim it does. No. It's showing one perspective of a very complicated story. That's true. And it seems in part to be ideology posing as history. So I think there are very good parts of this, and they should be taught and are somewhat taught, but I think for the most part it should stick to higher education in general, in my opinion. Okay, well, what about the kids that choose not to go to college? Don't you think that creates... A, a distance in knowledge and being informed with the way that our society operates and fails a good portion of our society, I think that leaving a certain amount of information for higher education could really lead to less opportunity for people who choose different paths for themselves. Do you think not learning critical race theory, as we neither of us learned this, do you think that stunted us in any way? I'm sure that there are many parts of my life that I failed other people who are going through the societal injustice that I was never aware of, mm -hmm. um, and I would like to start doing better because I've chosen to become more informed about things or because I've chosen a line of um, education where I was informed about more of these things, I, I was angry when I learned about this stuff that I was only hearing about it now, right? Like I think that learning about the racial injustice in our legal system and our courts and our jails is important and that's definitely something I could have handled as a high schooler. And then there's too much, too many barriers to becoming informed and just doing your, your right as like a community member that's trying to create a better future for all of us, right? Like, let's say I didn't go to college. How would I have learned these things? Let's say I wasn't 
a complete nerd always wanting to read more books and learn more stuff and challenge my own views, then how would I have learned this? Like college is not an option for a lot of people. And then do you learn this stuff if you're going to school for engineering? Like why would you take a racial justice history class if it's not a requirement of your field? I don't think that there should be barriers to learning this important information so that we can just live better and create better. So you think it should be required? At an age-appropriate level. Okay. Yeah. When's that age-appropriate level? Would you say it's high school then? So everyone can get a taste of it? I definitely think it should be involved in high school, Mm -hmm. but I think that we can even do better with middle school there's certain stuff that like kids are capable of hearing sure it doesn't have to be like all at once right like we can just trickle in deeper truths okay um i think you disagree i I somewhat agree with you though okay on that um like i said there's parts of this that are correct i think going back to the history of this it was created in the 70s and 80s. Now, not everything educational from the 70s and 80s is still being used today, and this theory may need updates and or changes. You know what I mean? It's not 100% right. Oh, I because think it, none of everything this is, even, is evolving. Right, yeah. right. I mean, it's a theory. It's not um, It's a social theory. It's not technically provable or disprovable anyways, but I think things need updating as time has gone on and we've learned a lot more yeah i mean i don't know what specifically needs updating like if there's some specific part of it that troubles you but i would assume that the way critical race theory is being taught today is different than the way it was taught in the 70s so much has changed since then well i'd hope so but i know a lot of schools are using the same textbooks from the 70s so you never actually know (laughs) If that was true, I would have saved a lot on my college textbooks. Well, yeah, but for middle schools, it's not good. <laughs> it's not. Depending on the area you're in and the funding that your schools have, too. Mm-hmm. For sure. Getting back to CRT, the reason we wanted to talk about this today is because it's kind of become a boogeyman in society lately. Everyone has different thoughts and feelings about what critical race theory is, and it seems like not many people on either side know what it actually is. So I think we learned a lot. We We, did. We each did our own independent research, but we came up with a lot of similar stuff, and we, I think we even figured it out. (laughs) Um, You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad that we dug into it more because you're right. This is packed with misinformation, and I think there's a lot of fear around it instead of a lot of understanding. Right. And obviously, we don't want more fear. We want to figure out what this is and a lot of current events going on and states trying to ban it. It's too much misinformation. Mm -hmm. And so now we know what it is, and we hope... We helped you learn what it is, too. This has been the Great Compromise Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please share with your friends and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And we will see you again next week. <laughs>